0: Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman.
1: Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest for the first half hour is Marco Santarelli. He is the founder of Narada Real Estate and the host of the Passive Real Estate Investing Podcast. He is a real expert on uh, investing in real estate to pr- produce passive income. Welcome to The Money Answer Show, Marco. Jordan, it's an honor to be on your show. Just give us a little bit of background about how you came into this field and what you've been doing in real estate lately.
2: Well, I, I mean, it depends on how far you want to go back, because I literally bought my first rental property when I turned 18 years old, because I could qualify for financing at that time, and that's when the writing was on the wall. So I started buying more property and educating myself on business, money, real estate, um, Entrepreneurship—you name Um, it—but I really put the rubber to the road in 2003, 2004, when in a nine-month period I acquired 84 rental units, 84 doors. So that was a very short period of time. Now, granted, it was (laughs) helpful that uh, credit was very easy to acquire and get back then, which you know we all know was part of the reason why we had that you know great crash in uh, 2006, 2007, and the Great Recession of 2008. But Really, that that was when I really put the rubber to the road and um, and built up my real estate portfolio, created systems, and then provided those systems to other people to help them invest in real estate and create a passive income. Um, so that's the short answer to a, what is essentially a you know a, a long answer.
1: Very good. So there are many ways to invest in real estate. You have a specific style that you like. How would you describe the style? that you have compared to, say, real estate investment trusts or syndications or flipping? There's a lot of other ways of playing real estate. What is your specific style? Well, when, when
2: you talk about real estate investing, for me, my definition of investing is something where you put, you put your, ca- your investment capital into and you get an immediate rate of return, whether you get paid monthly, quarterly, or annually. There's a measurable cash-on-cash return. To me, that's investing. Now, you compare and contrast that to some of these other styles, uh, which a lot of people will refer to as investing, and I don't. For example, when you fix and flip a house, I don't really refer to that as, as investing. I refer to that as being uh, creating a business. It's, some people refer to it as a job because it can be so consuming. But essentially, when you're buying and fixing up property and flipping it, you're creating chunks of cash, not streams of cash. And so the question becomes, what do you do with those chunks of cash? The moment you stop doing that, you stopped doing your business and therefore you've stopped creating income. And so that's why I don't look at that as investing. So my style short answer is essentially buy and hold good rental properties in good markets and in good neighborhoods that generate cash flow and income from day one. But I hold them for the long term to create wealth as time goes on. And then I let that equity, that wealth uh, uh, magnify on itself I, it's a mushroom effect I let it compound on itself where I buy more and more real estate and I do that tax-free
1: so a lot of people think that sounds pretty easy to do put together a portfolio of rental real estate what are some of the downsides or tricks that people get caught and, and uh, you know end up doing and not being successful one of the biggest mistakes people make I mean this is a, an entire
2: show this one question could be an entire show one of the mistakes I see people make is they are, get so mesmerized and sold on a property, and then they don't step back and look at the forest. You have to invest in real estate with a top-down approach. It has to be more macro in scope. And what I mean by that is you have to look and consider the market. Then you have to consider the submarkets and then the neighborhoods and then the property because there's a lot of dynamics in play when you have a market you have to consider what is the health of that market what are the fundamentals do you have jobs and job growth do you have people moving in do you have positive migration do you have numbers that make sense are you in a bubble market where it's unaffordable and you don't have a rate of return like markets such as San Francisco California or are you in a market where you have stability it's middle it's middle america you know things just make sense right from the get-go in places like Indianapolis, Kansas City, Memphis, Tennessee, uh, parts of Texas. You know, those are areas that I focus on. Those are areas that we focus on as a company for our investor clients. So you have to be holistic in your investment approach. You just can't look at the property. You have to look at the neighborhood, the market, everything else.
1: And what do you do to help people to to go – say they haven't invested in real estate before – do you help them pick the markets and find the properties, or what actual services do you provide to people who want to invest in real estate at Narada Real Estate?
2: So if you're going to invest in real estate, you, you have to understand that real estate investing is a team sport. It's not a solo, um, uh, it's not a solo endeavor. You have to build a team. You have to have a, a competent, knowledgeable, reliable team that is working with you and for you, and you work together in harmony. Now you can, anybody can do this, but you have to find those people to work with, you have to vet them, you have to, uh, you know, make sure that there is synergy between you, uh, and that's your acquisitions person, which could be a real estate agent or broker, it could be a turnkey property provider, it could be a new home builder, and then you need a property management company. You might need a general contractor, you'll need a home inspector, you'll need your lender or lenders that are providing you the financing, uh, a title company, an asset protection attorney, uh, such as my friend Garrett Sutton um, uh, a little plug for him <laughs> um, you know so these are these are the people on your team when you do it on your own there's a larger learning curve and you have to go through the vetting process and you have to go through um you know the whole the whole thing to 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 right from scratch or Answer your question. You know what? What is the value we provide? Is the way I like to phrase it. When you have a service that you have that entire group of people, that entire team already put together and vetted and available to you, um, freely available to you, then you know you you are starting out at seventy percent, not at zero percent. So we provide essentially a free service where we provide not only those resources, those people that are, are, are vetted and we've been working with for years, but we also provide the inventory, the properties that you can invest in today in about 20 or 22 different markets. Now inventory fluctuates and it comes and goes, but essentially we're providing you not the, the properties to invest in, but everything else associated and wrapped around that investment property.
1: So when you do that, so you have existing inventory, you're making money, on selling the properties that are in your uh, inventory? Is that the way it works?
2: That's a great question. Yeah, I get asked that from time to time. Yeah, our sole source of revenue is from the sale of that property, just like a, any other real estate brokerage. You know, some people refer to it as a commission. We essentially refer to it as a broker's fee or a marketing fee. But there's no other cost. Therefore, you as, our, as the purchaser, the investor, and, and, and our client, there's no cost there's no price, there's no fee uh, to be on that end of it. So you, you get tons and tons of value, and there's no cost in, in being
1: part of that process. And then after they bought it, you help them uh, manage it and create the cash flow coming to you, and you take care of that part as well. Well, Jordan, the nice thing is that you know, we
2: refer to these as turnkey investments, and so the whole experience is a turnkey investment uh, process. Every single property is already tied to and associated with a property management company. So that property may or may not be leased at the time you look at it. They all get leased, but but they're all being managed by a full-service professional local management company. Now, you can choose not to have a management company. You can self-manage. Some investors do that. We don't recommend it, at least not for a, a, you know, a, either a new investor or somebody who's busy, like a doctor, dentist, some other professional. If you've got a busy schedule, I don't recommend that you self-manage your portfolio, especially if it's a large portfolio. Let a professional management company do it. It's a nominal fee. It's a cost of doing business. It's already budgeted and factored into the cash flow projections and pro formas. So, so you, you know, you're already budgeting for it. You might as well just let a professional management company do it for you.
1: And what kind of cash on cash return should people expect, uh, you know, working with Narada to in the kind of properties you have in your inventory?
2: So, you know, attorneys like to answer questions with the word, it depends. <laughs> yep. And I'm going to do the same thing. So I'll give you ranges because it's, it's really hard to give you a specific number. And the reason for that is because your, your cap rate, your capitalization rate on a property, your cash on cash return on a property, and even if you start to forecast what that property will do in terms of price growth or price appreciation over the years, You're not only making assumptions, but you're you're really just forecasting. So when you talk about cap rates and cash-on-cash returns, it depends on the market. It depends on the sub-market within that market. It depends on the type of neighborhood you're in. Are you in an A-class, B-class, C-class neighborhood? It depends on what that property's purchase price is or its current value versus its rental income, uh, something we refer to as an RV ratio or rent-to-value ratio. So there's all these factors. So the best way for me to answer your question, Jordan, is to basically say this. Cap rates will vary based on all those variables I just gave you from about 6% to 9%. Uh, yep. Cap rate is, a, is the return you get is if you purchased it 100% all cash, no financing. Your cash on cash return, when you leverage it with 20% down, maybe 25% down, it goes up usually. It goes up. And that could be, let's say, seven, eight percent on the low end, to let's say, nine, ten, eleven, even twelve percent on the high end. If you are in some of the markets that we're in, like Birmingham or Montgomery, Alabama, um, and you're in some of the B, B plus type neighborhoods, so that's the spread. It's really wide, um, but you got to keep the long term growth in mind as well, and balance it out with your immediate cash flows.
1: And um, okay, so roughly in those areas, I get a sense. What is the minimum? Uh, that people need to invest with you, and what's the maximum? What's the range of properties you have for sale?
2: So uh, investors are investing in themselves. The, the, the down payment is equity that they're really just putting into the property, think of it as a, a forced savings account. You're moving it from your savings account in the bank at Wells Fargo or wherever to uh, the property. So the money's not going anywhere. It's just being moved, and that starts to produce income and starts to create wealth for yourself. I like to use the $100,000 three-bedroom example because the math is easy. Uh, the median price of what our clients purchase through us is $122,000, but that's a range of eighty dollars to $180,000 properties. I like to think of it this way. $100,000 property, 20% down is $20,000. Some closing costs and miscellaneous costs in there, let's call it $22,000. So let's just say you put $3,000 on the side as reserve we're talking about $25,000 to, you know, for your next property, your first or your next property. And you just keep building and stacking from there. So, we're not talking, you know, $800,000 homes like you find in coastal California. We're talking 100 to $130,000 single family homes, three bedrooms in middle America.
1: Very good. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is, uh, my guest for this half hour is Marco Santarelli. Uh, he is the host of the Passive Real Estate Investing Podcast the founder and CEO of Narada Real Estate. You can find out more at his website, which is PassiveRealEstateInvesting.com or for his company, NaradaRealEstate.com. We'll be back after this. If you're still using one of the big wireless providers in 2019, have you asked yourself what you're really paying for? Between expensive retail stores, inflated prices, and hidden fees, you're being taken advantage of because they know you'll pay. Enter Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile provides the same premium network coverage you're used to, but at a fraction of the cost because everything is online. Mint Mobile saves on retail locations and overhead, then passes those savings directly on to you. I got Mint Mobile on my phone, and it provided a very clear signal wherever I go, and it saved me about $150 a month over what I was paying before. Mint Mobile makes it easy to cut your wireless bill down to just $15 a month. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text. With Mint Mobile, stop paying for unlimited data you'll never use. Choose between plans with 3, 8, or 12 gigabytes of 4G LTE data. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with your existing contacts. Ditch your old wireless bill and start saving with Mint Mobile. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, Go to mintmobile.com slash money answers. That Mint, that's mintmobile.com slash money answers. Cut your wireless bills to just fifteen bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash money answers. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest for this half hour is Marco Santarelli. He's the founder and CEO of Narada Real Estate, which helps people get passive income real estate. He's also the host of the Passive Real Estate Investing Podcast, and you can find out more about him at his website, PassiveRealEstateInvesting.com or NaradaRealEstate.com. Welcome back to the show, Marco. Thank you, Jordan. You have 10 rules for successful real estate investing let's just go over those briefly the first one is to educate yourself so what is necessary about that yeah so jordan the, the reason to educate yourself is the first
2: and number one on the list is because it really is the foundation for everything else you know there's there's so much information out there today especially uh with the internet there's a lot of great information accessible to you that is at no cost or low cost that there's no reason not to educate yourself. You know, the saying is, the more you learn, the more you earn. There's a lot of truth in that. But it's not just that. Knowledge is critically important in anything you do, especially if you want to do it well. So if you don't educate yourself when it comes to investing and finance and money and specifically real estate investing, what happens is, is you end up following other people's advice not knowing if it's good or bad. So you're essentially doomed to follow you know potentially bad advice. But knowledge will take you from being a newbie to becoming a good investor. And if you're already an investor and you're good, It'll take you from becoming a good investor to becoming a great investor, and there's a lot of difference between good and great. As you know, Jim Collins, I believe it was, right. said in his book, "From Good to Great."
1: Your second uh, uh, rule is to set investment goals. Why is that particularly important in real estate?
2: It, it's it's important to 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 know exactly what you're shooting for. You ch- you just can't be nebulous. You can't say I have a dream or a wish. I mean, you can say that, but a lot of people want things but don't plan for things and therefore they don't take action but when you create goals and you're very specific and clear about it you make them specific measurable attainable uh, they're time stamped what happens is you can take that and turn it into a road map for yourself which becomes an action plan and then you start ticking the boxes and just start doing it and you'll move closer and closer to actually achieving those financial goals it, it's so fundamental
1: then the next one is never speculate. Now you talked about the hot cities like Seattle or San Francisco. It seems easy to get there where you know that prices are going up dramatically. Is that what you would consider speculating?
2: Specul- yeah, speculating is chasing after appreciation. You, there's no control over that. There's no guarantee. You have to invest with a long-term term perspective. Perspective. So. You know, back in 2003 4 5, people thought they were investing, but they were really just buying property and riding a wave of appreciation and hoping that property values continue to go up. Well, that's, pay- that's only on paper. That is not realized gains. Until you sell that property, you don't actually make a return. But being speculative is really dangerous. You might as well go to Vegas. You know, that, that's not the prudent way to invest. You want an investment to make sense the day you buy it.
1: So you're saying number four is invest for cash flow. So it may be less exciting, but you're saying that's a better way to, to win in the long run in real estate.
2: Yeah, yeah, three and four are tied together hip, you know, hip to hip. Um, you know, If you're not speculating, the only way to invest is to invest for cash flow. You need an immediate rate of return. If your property, your investments, whatever it may be, is not generating income from day one, month one, then it's really not an investment. There has to be a, an immediate rate of return, cash on cash return. But the other thing, too, is with cash flow, you know, a lot of people say cash flow is king. Well, cash flow to me is the glue that keeps your investment together because what happens is is month after month and year after year, you have income coming in from the property um, because you have positive cash flow, but that cash flow is really glue that keeps your deal humming along, and every month your equity grows because you have appreciation over time, but you have loan amortization because your tenants are paying off your mortgage for you, and every month you have a little bit more equity in that property. So as long as you have that positive cash flow, it's carrying itself, it's putting money in your pocket and your your, your net worth, your, net, what your wealth cre- is increasing every month and every year.
1: Your fifth rule is to be market agnostic. So some people would say it's dangerous to be investing in other markets, not where you live, so you can't kind of see what's going on. Why do you want to be market agnostic? Yeah, it's
2: actually just the opposite. You actually lower your risk and increase your upside potential by being market agnostic and investing in other markets that you may not be living in, because the opportunities are better there. If, if you live in San Francisco or a coastal market where it's very expensive, it's hard to make a, get a rate of return, let alone get cash flow, and your down payment is very high, the property value is very high, the downside risk is very high. But if you are in a market that doesn't make sense, then look at markets where the numbers do make sense, where you can have uh, stability stability. Um, in that market, you have good long-term growth p- potential. You have immediate cash flow. The numbers make sense. It's affordable. You have strong tenant demand. Um, but look, at the end of the day, it's this: if I decide that Coca-Cola is the best company to invest in on the stock market, and I live in California, am I going to say no? Geez, I can't invest in Coca-Cola because I don't live in Atlanta, Georgia, where their corporate head office is. No, that's absolutely stupid. You know, it doesn't matter where you live. If you if you want to invest in Coca-Cola, you can invest from anywhere in the world and the same thing with real estate put your money to work where it's going to work the hardest and best for you and that may be a different market than where you live right now or today
1: your sixth rule you talked about a little bit to take a top-down approach Um, so uh, if people are not economists how can they figure out what the best real estate markets to invest are at any particular time Well, you know, as a a shameless
2: plug, you know, we research over 400 markets all the time. We know what every market is doing on multiple levels, and we provide some of that information out for free. But at the end of the day, this information is out there on the Internet. Most of it is for free. If you, you know, if you're a bit of a sleuth, you can certainly find a ton of information. But at the heart of it is really this. You want strong housing, a strong housing market and a strong local economy. And what that means is essentially you want low unemployment, job growth or job stability, you want ideally a positive population growth, and you want a good story. You want good fundamentals in that market. If you've got that, then you've got a foundation, a stage to, to look at the submarkets in the neighborhoods and start in, investing in properties within those neighborhoods in that market that will generate positive cash flow and provide long-term growth potential.
1: And then you say you want to diversify across markets. Don't put all your money in one how many, for a typical investor, how many markets should somebody diversify into? Well, as
2: just a very, very, very general rule of thumb, I like to say invest in three to five income properties and in, across three to a maximum of five different markets. So you're going to have anywhere from nine to 25 properties if you do that, which is a good rental portfolio. But you, you don't want to go crazy and have one house in 15 different markets. Build a footprint in one market, then move on to another market geographically different that gives you that geographic diversification. So move to another market that is in a different state that that helps you spread the quote unquote risks that would be, you know, part of that real estate portfolio. Because at the end of the day, we all know that real estate is local and what happens in one market is different than what happens in in another market. So as long as you separate your portfolio that way, you really are doing very well. You've got stability.
1: Your eighth rule is to use professional property management. You're saying even if you're living in the area, it's better to turn it over to the pros so you don't have to worry about it. Is that right?
2: Well, if you're going to be investing, you know, with look, first of all, if you're not a professional property manager, don't do it. You know, if you've got experience, you know how to deal with, with people and, you know, showing the property, placing tenants, you know, the landlord laws and all that stuff. You know how to do this and you're good at it and you enjoy it. Fine. Go for it. You know, I have people who invest thousands of miles away and self-manage, but 99% of the time you'll want to use professional, local, full-service property management that knows what they're doing. They'll handle everything from soup to nuts for you and you really don't need to be in touch with them just oversee it contact them a couple times a year collect the rents in your you know bank account and just live your life focus on your career and spend time with your family that's why i like using professional property management
1: typically how much is that going to cost of the rents what percentage just roughly uh it's a range from about 8 to 9% but the range is 7 to
2: 10 the street rate is is 10%, but a lot of our clients get about 8% just because, you know, the property management companies that we work with are getting volume. And so a lot of them will do it at 8%. Uh Uh-huh.
1: And your ninth rule is to maintain control. So you're saying you should not invest in real estate through real estate investment trusts or partnerships or what you call paper-based investments. Why is the way you do it better than going that way? Well, I wouldn't say don't. I would just say that, you know, the nice thing about
2: owning your own uh, portfolio of rental properties as you, may control, you maintain control. You're a direct investor. You, you're the CEO of your company, and you, you determine what is being done. Now, if you know professional syndicators and they put together a great syndicated deal, a partnership of sorts, there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm not a big fan of Wall Street and investing in REITs and, you know, investing with corporations and fund managers that I have no clue who they are. I, I'm not involved in, in you know the annual decisions or anything like that. I like to ha- be as close to the real estate as possible. I like to be a direct owner and direct investor.
1: And your last rule is to leverage investment capital. Leverage is a word that scares people. It means they're going into debt. Why is that appropriate in real estate? Well, the, 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 to dispel that myth, let's make sure, be, let's be
2: clear on on what kinds of debt there are out there. There's good debt and bad debt. Bad debt is like spending money to go on a vacation or buy a car or, or you know buy you know junk. Uh, good debt is is debt where you actually taking invest um, other people's money, like a mortgage loan from a bank, and using it to acquire an income producing asset like real estate. So if I put twenty percent down, borrow the other eighty percent, I've essentially applied really good debt, or in other words, leverage on that property. I own one hundred percent of it. I get one hundred percent of the benefits. I control one hundred percent of it, but I've only put twenty percent down. So using other people's money to control, purchase and control other income producing assets like real estate is super powerful because it accelerates your ability to create wealth and it accelerates your ability to create income and puts you on the fast track to financial freedom. And that's why I love leverage. And real estate is the only asset class where you can do that at the level of 80%. You know, you can't do that anywhere else.
1: Yeah. Now, you have a free download guide called The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing. Tell us what that's about and how can I get it?
2: Yeah, it is a forty-something-page pa- uh, um, information-packed primer. Uh, if you were to read that, you will know a lot about investing in real estate, what to look for, and how to do it. And it's a free download on both of our websites. It's really just a mini book, if you will, and I highly recommend people download and read it.
1: Very good. We've learned a lot in half an hour. My guest this hour has been this half hour has been Marco Santarelli. He's the founder of Narada Real Estate and also the host of the Passive Real Estate Investing Podcast. You can find out more about him. Also get that free ultimate guide to passive investing at his website, PassiveRealEstateInvesting.com, and also his company that provides all the services we talked to kind of do turnkey real estate investing at NaradaRealEstate.com. Thanks so much for being a guest on the Money Answer Show, Marco. I think people learned a lot. Thanks again, Jordan. I appreciate it. Thank you, and we'll be back after this. I want to tell you about a new deodorant called Native that I recently began trying out. It's safe, simple, and effective, and is made with all natural ingredients. Making the switch to a natural deodorant does not mean having to sacrifice on odor or wetness protection. Unlike other deodorants, it does not have aluminum, parabens, or talc. Those substances have been linked to serious health issues. Instead, Native has fewer, simpler ingredients found in nature, such as coconut oil, shea butter, and tapioca starch. Native comes in a wide variety of enticing scents for men and women, as well as an unscented formula. Most of the most popular scents are coconut and vanilla, lavender and rose, cucumber and mint, and eucalyptus and mint. They even have some limited edition seasonal scents throughout the year. I tried the cucumber and mint myself, and it smelled wonderful and was very effective. I also got the lavender and rose for my girlfriend, and she really loved it. People all over the country are giving Native a great review. It's had 8,000 five-star recommendations in the latest survey. It's also been featured on many major national TV and radio shows. There's no risk to try Native since they offer free shipping, returns, and exchanges. If you subscribe over one, two, three, or four months to have it delivered to your home, you save up to 17%, which comes out to $2 per stick. Give Native a try and save 20% off your first purchase purchase by visiting nativedeodorant.com and use promo code MONEYANSWERS during checkout. That's nativedeodorant.com and use promo code MONEYANSWERS during checkout for a 20% discount. Take care of your body. It's the only place you have to live.
0: You've been listening to the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866 472 5790. That's 866 472 5790. Now back to Jordan.
1: Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest for this half hour is Garrett Sutton. He's a corporate lawyer, asset protection expert, and best selling author of the book called Start Your Own Corporation Why the Rich Own Their Own Companies and everyone else works for them. He's also an expert on real estate as well. The website you can find out more about his work is corporatedirect.com. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Garrett. Thanks, Jordan. It's great to be with you. Just give people a little bit of your background and why you are an expert in this area of starting corporations.
4: Well, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area and went to the University of California at Berkeley and then crossed the bay to San Francisco, went to Hastings Law School, uh, the University of California's law school in San Francisco and I always took to corporations and uh, those were the best classes I took in law school and I really uh, decided to go into that field and uh, then eventually I moved up to Nevada. I'm in Reno, Nevada and Nevada is a great state for setting up corporations and uh, it's been just great practicing in the area of corporate law and asset protection for these many years Along the, the way, I became acquainted with Robert Kiyosaki and was very fortunate to become one of the Rich Dad Advisors. Uh, my uh, topic, of course, is corporations and asset protection. And we travel the world teaching financial education. So it's been just really enjoyable for the last 20 years to be working with Robert and, and his team of advisors and you know, spreading the word that everybody can do this. Everybody needs to protect themselves. The system allows you to protect yourself. Um, You have to take affirmative steps. The system won't do it for you. Uh, But, you know, if you take those affirmative steps and you start investing in real estate and investing in assets, you need to protect yourself along the way, and that's the service we provide.
1: What are some of the big threats that people may not be aware of that they need to protect themselves with by having a corporation?
4: Well, I think people, um, when they get into business, they, they're very optimistic, as Americans were very optimistic, and they just think nothing will happen. And maybe at the start they consider setting up a corporation or an LLC, and, you know, maybe there's, um, mo- the money needs to go to uh, PR or advertising or elsewhere, and they don't get around to it. And so, Jordan, the biggest risk I see is at the start People think, yes, I should incorporate, I know I need to do it, but they don't get around to it. And then, when you get in the crush of commerce, you forget about it, and then it's too late when you get sued. If you're operating as a sole proprietor, if you're holding real estate in your individual name, and you get sued by a client or a tenant, it's too late to have that protection. You know, you can't put the the seatbelt on after the car wreck. Um, yeah. So a lot of people just get uh, distracted in their business and forget to set up these entities. It's not hard, it's not expensive, but you've got to do it right at the
1: start. Is suing the, the main threat, or is it taxes? What are some of the other threats in addition to being sued that you make it make sense to set up a corporation?
4: Well, suing is the main thing. Um, you know, we just live in a very litigious society. The FBI has identified a subclass of individual who are the, uh, you know, the, the litigants. Um, and you have vexatious litigants out there who just, m- in mean spirit, sue people. So I think uh, litigation is the biggest reason. Taxation, you're going to have some benefits with a corporation or an LLC. You're not going to notice that many benefits. Uh, certainly, the audit risk, though, is lower if you have a corporation or an LLC. Uh, but the main reason is just asset protection. And there are people out there that will go to the county recorder and, and see you know, if your property is in your individual name or not. So you want to make sure that right at the start, you have your entity set up so that you're protected.
1: So you were in California and you've moved to Nevada. What are some of the specific asset protections that Nevada or setting up a corporation Nevada has over other states? Well, that's a
4: really good question, Jordan, because California has the weakest asset protection laws in the country by far. And it's also very expensive to operate there now. Um, The taxes there, the state tax rate is 13.3%. In Nevada, right across the border, it's 0% state tax, and you have a very strong asset protection law, where LLCs are very good at protecting people from uh, uh, litigants trying to reach inside the LLC and get the assets. So Nevada, Wyoming, and Delaware would be the top three states uh, that you would want to
1: use for protecting yourself. Is it piercing the corporate veil, or kind of specifically, what asset protections does Nevada, Wyoming, and Delaware offer that other states don't? Well, we'll talk about piercing the veil, but the real asset protection,
4: Jordan, comes from when you get sued on the, from the outside. So, for example, you have a Nevada LLC that owns a duplex, and you get in a car wreck. It has nothing to do with your Nevada real estate, but the person in the car wreck, hopefully you have insurance and maybe an umbrella policy, but the person in the car wreck, uh, maybe your insurance doesn't cover it, and they want to get at your Nevada duplex. Well, under the laws of Nevada, Wyoming, and Delaware, they can't force a sale of that duplex. They can in California. The courts in California say, you were injured. Go ahead and force a sale of the duplex. In Nevada, Wyoming, and Delaware, the exclusive remedy is called the charging order. And what that means is it's really a lien on distribution. So the person suing you in the car wreck has to wait for distributions to come out of that Nevada LLC. And the important thing to recognize here is in a car wreck case, you're going to be represented by an attorney. And the attorney is going to be on a contingency, meaning they get a percentage of what they collect. Attorneys are really good at getting insurance money. They know how to get at that money. And that's why having an umbrella policy is great, because they can go after that million-dollar umbrella policy and be satisfied. Now, if you have your assets in strong state LLCs, the attorney has to go to that state. They have to wait around and monitor whether distributions are made. That's not a good use of their time, especially since they're on a contingency. They don't get paid until they collect. So it's really great, a great strategy to have enough insurance and then have your entities set up so that in states that uh, attorneys are not going to want to spend a lot of time uh, trying to pierce through. So that's yep. why we like Nevada, Wyoming, and Delaware. And really, on the outside attack, where you're sued in a car wreck, these are very effective states for limiting uh, the uh, ability of an attorney to get at the assets.
1: But you do not have to be a resident of Nevada. Your business. That doesn't have to be in Nevada. You can be in California, New York, Florida, anywhere, and then still have it registered as a Nevada corporation. Is that correct? Correct. What we do, um, so for example, Jordan,
4: let's say you had a property in Utah and a property in Texas. We would have a Utah LLC for the Utah property, a Texas LLC for the Texas property. Those two LLCs would be owned by one Wyoming LLC, and on the outside attack... They have to go through the Wyoming LLC to even get at Utah and Texas, and under Wyoming law, all they're going to get is a charging order, meaning all they're going to do is get distributions from Wyoming. Well, maybe Utah and Texas don't make any distributions to Wyoming, so there's really nothing to get. And so you don't have to be a Wyoming or Nevada resident to take advantage of these asset protection strategies. Uh, It's almost a constitutional right-to-travel issue. You have the ability, as an American citizen, to set up an estate that you want to set up in.
1: Yeah. So what kind of services are offered at CorporateDirect.com? People trying to figure out uh, whether they should set up a corporation and where they should do it.
4: Well, we offer a free 15-minute consult, so you can call the office and talk to an incorporating specialist and see if we can assist um, we set up uh, LLCs and corporations in all 50 states. We pro- provide the registered agent work in all 50 states. So, uh, you know, we help a lot of people around the country, even foreigners, Jordan. Jordan. Uh, a lot of foreign individuals are investing in the United States. Our doors are open, and, and we set up LLCs for them as well. So it's really our focus is setting up and maintaining the corporations and LLCs. And when you talk about piercing the corporate veil, that's where maintaining the entity comes into play. Because if you don't maintain it, if you don't pay the fees every year and have the registered agent in place, someone can pierce through the corporation's veil and get at your personal assets. So one of the key things we do, Jordan, is maintain those entities for our clients.
1: Meaning all the records and the shareholder meetings and all the kind of legalities. It may be yeah. a one-person thing, but you still have to go through these things technically, you're saying. You do, and it's not hard to do. It's
4: just dramatic if you don't. They can, someone can pierce through the corporation. They have a claim against the corporation. You set up the corporation so that you wouldn't be responsible for that claim, and by failing to follow the formalities, all of a sudden you are responsible for that claim. So we don't yeah. want people to pierce the corporate veil and go after
1: our personal assets. And you need a registered agent in that state so that all mail, for example, goes there and then they can forward it on to you. Is that It has to have an address if you're going to set it up in Nevada, in Nevada. Is that right?
4: Yeah, and the key is that you have a registered agent in the state uh, where your, each entity is located. So, for example, in our example of uh, Utah, Texas, and Wyoming, you'd have a registered agent in Utah for the Utah LLC. You'd have to have a Texas registered agent for Texas. And as well, one for Wyoming. So you need one in each state
1: that you're in. Very good. We're going to take a break. Uh, My guest this half hour is Garrett Sutton. Uh, He is a corporate lawyer. Uh, He's written a book called Start Your Own Corporation, Why the Rich Own Their Own Companies and Everyone Else Works for Them. You can find out more about him at his website, corporatedirect.com. We'll be back after this. Growing a business is hard, especially when you're wasting hours every day moving data from emails to spreadsheets to your customer relationship system. Shouldn't that kind of stuff just happen without you having to lift a finger? Well, Zapier can help. Zapier is the easiest way to automate your work. It connects all your business software and handles work for you so you can focus on the things that matter most. You don't have to waste your time on tasks that could be automated because that's exactly what Zapier does. I gave it a try and it was amazing at how all the tasks I used to do separately have all happened now automatically. Just go to the special link zapier.com slash money answers, connect the apps you use and let Zapier take it from there. Zapier lets you instantly engage with leads, send them to your customer relationship system or spreadsheet, then notify your team so they can get back to prospects quickly. And that's just scratching the surface. Zapier supports more than 1,500 business applications, so the possibilities are virtually endless. Best of all, it's easy to write an exact solution you need in minutes without writing code or asking a developer for help. Join the more than 4.5 million people who are saving an average of 40 hours a month using Zapier. Right now through November, you can try Zapier for free by going to the special link zapier.com moneyanswers. That's Zapier, Z A P I E R.com slash money answers for your free 14 day trial. Zapier.com slash money answers.
3: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
0: You've been listening to The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
1: Welcome back to The Money Answers Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest for this half hour is Garrett Sutton. He's a corporate lawyer, asset protection expert, author of the book, Start Your Own Corporation, Why the Rich Own Their Own Companies and Everyone Else Works for Them. His website is corporatedirect.com. Welcome back to the show, Garrett. Thanks, Jordan. Specifically related to real estate, uh, what are some of the loopholes of real estate that allows you to be a successful investor that are unique to real estate?
4: Well, in the book, Loopholes of Real Estate, we talk about there are loopholes that you want to open with regard to taxation, and then there are loopholes that you want to close with regard to asset protection. And so on the asset protection side, uh, as we mentioned earlier, if you hold title to real estate in your individual name and a tenant sues you, they can get not only the equity in the rental property, but all of your personal assets. And so we want to close that loophole by using the right mix of LLCs. Uh, virtually all, uh, real estate now is held and when they when you use an entity is held in an LLC, in some cases you'll use an LP or a limited partnership. And so we want to close that unlimited liability loophole by using a limited liability entity. And there are a couple tricks in there uh, that you have to be aware of that we talk about in the book. Uh, one of one of which is you have to make sure that once you set up the LLC, you transfer title from your individual name into the name of the LLC. If you have the LLC set up, but title stays in your individual name, you have no protection. Um, you've just set up an entity that's empty. We need to make sure that the title is in the name of that LLC. And you have to use the right deed when you do that. Uh, a, a quitclaim deed, people think it's nice and easy. They mispronounce it as quick claim deed, Q-U-I-C-K, it's quit, Q-U-I-T, that deed basically says, all right, I have an interest in this property. I don't know what it is, but I'll transfer it to you. Um, But that doesn't give you any right to go back at the person if there's a problem. Uh, You want to have a grant deed or a warranty deed where the person transferring the title to you says, I warrant that I own this property, And if I don't, if there's something wrong with the title, you can sue me for the money you spent. That's the deed you want to use. And so um, we talk about that in the book, Loopholes of Real Estate. We have to make sure that we uh, convey property using the right deeds.
1: What are the benefits of an LLC, Limited Liability Corporation, compared to a LP, a limited partnership, for holding real estate?
4: Well, the asset protection in most states is identical. The issue is with an LP, you have to, by definition, have a general partner. And in the old days, the general partner was an individual. But if the LP got sued, the general partner as an individual, could be personally liable. So the way around that, the way, the way to skin the cat, Jordan, is to have a corporation or an LLC be the general partner. Well, in that case, you've had to set up two entities instead of one. You have an LP, and then you need to set up a second entity to be the general partner for protection. Uh, To the contrary, in an LLC, everyone's protected. You don't need to set up a second entity. So when you look at this, most people will say, well, geez, why should I set up two entities? Um, Let's just set up the one entity, the LLC. Um, And so in virtually all states, of course, except California, you would look at setting up LLCs.
1: Are there some advantages to other corporate forms? For example, Subchapter S is a very common form, or Subchapter C, a, a corporation that way. Are there some times when a Subchapter S or C would make sense compared to an LLC?
4: Well, uh, with the LLC, you have that charging order protection in certain states. You don't have that with a corporation, except for Nevada. Nevada does have the charging order for corporate shares, but every other state Someone suing you could reach the shares and force a sale of the property. So the corporate form is not the best way to hold real estate. As well with the C or the S taxation, uh, when you distribute property out of the corporation, it's a taxable event. And when you distribute it out of the LLC, it comes out at its basis, meaning what you paid for it. So tax-wise, you're much better off with an LLC Uh, taxed as either a a partnership or taxed as a uh, disregarded entity. So really, in in virtually all cases, Jordan, you're going to be using an LLC to take title to real
1: estate. Yeah. If you're starting out a business, you're not sure it's going to work, most people would probably start that out as a sole proprietorship and then switch it to an LLC later because they know it's going to work. Is that a good strategy or should you always start the LLC, even if you're not sure the business is going to work?
4: Well, all sorts of things happen when you start a business. It's not expensive. I would rather see that person set up the LLC. Um, You know, if you're selling crayons on the street, maybe there's not much of a risk. But if you're doing any sort of significant business activity and you want to grow, I think you want to have that protection right from the start.
1: Yeah, but if you do that, is it difficult to switch from a sole proprietorship into an LLC? No. No, you would um,
4: just transfer the assets of the sole proprietor into the uh, LLC or corporation. Uh, it wouldn't be a taxable event. The issue to know, Jordan, is that you would be personally responsible for everything happened that, that happened while you were a sole proprietor. And once you set up the LLC or corporation, from that day forward, you're protected, but you can't gain protection uh, for when you were a sole proprietor. So that is a risk of doing business in that format.
1: Yeah. Why do people need somebody like you to set these things up? I mean, you see all the time, like, legal Zoom and, you know, you pick up these forms in a stationary store or something. You know, why is it so complicated that they need somebody like you to do it?
4: Well, just there are a lot of wrinkles to all this, and we want to take advantage of the best corporate laws out there. And so we do this day in and day out. We know the wrinkles in the various states. Texas has a few wrinkles. So does California and Tennessee. And you don't want to be surprised. You, don't want to, you want to know what you're getting into. And that's why we offer the free 15-minute consult. I mean, if you call 800-600-1760, you can get a free 15-minute consult and see if we
1: can help you. Very. And so you have clients from all over the country, doing not just Nevada. Is that right? Correct. Very Correct. good. Like like we said, if you
4: own real estate in various states, we want the 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 title holding entity to be in the state where the real estate's located and then yeah. have those entities owned by a Wyoming
1: LLC. Very good. Well, thanks so much. We've earned, learned a lot. My guest this half hour has been Garrett Sutton. He's a corporate lawyer, asset protection expert, author of the book Start Your Own Corporation, and you can find out more about what he can do to help you set up a corporation or an LLC at his website, corporatedirect.com. Thanks so much for being on The Money Answer Show, Garrett. Thanks, Jordan. It's been a pleasure. Thanks again. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now.
0: Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.